Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, today we're going to be talking about the dreaded day that is approaching. Uh, exciting and wonderful for some, but for since there are more single people in the United States and probably in the world um, than, than couples, than happily married or happily together couples, Valentine's Day tends to be a dreaded day, um, a, dra- a day when people feel lonely, feel you know sad if they don't have a Valentine. Uh, even if they do, if they're dating someone, oftentimes it's a disappointment because people uh, expect different things that will happen on that day. Um, and so we're going to be exploring all of this. And today's show is called, Why is this Valentine's Day different from all other Valentine's Day days? And the answer is, there are five different reasons why it is different. And I'm going to be talking about them with you so that you can kind of have more of an understanding of the emotions that you're feeling. This is also a day when um, oftentimes uh, couples break up because of the pressure that they feel to meet the other person's need to be the kind of valentine or create the kind of day that their um, partner wants or expects. So, all right, so what are the five things? Um, how, is, how is dating and love and sex different today than all other days or all other each Valentine's years uh, there are a number of factors that are coming into play besides some of the things that I was just talking about, the pressure and so on. Um, for one thing, there is the Me Too movement that has not gone away and is not looking like it is going to go away. Uh, and I'll talk about why that's good and bad and mostly bad for romance and Valentine's Day. And then um, politics and dating. This is the real new wrinkle um, that has been impacting dating more and more. I mean, you could say maybe it began last year. It began actually basically with the Trump, um, Trump winning the election and so many people being polarized because of that. And people putting, because our country is so divided, people putting politics, giving politics a higher level of importance than it should have. And then fifth, oh, well, now let's see, wait. <laughs> um, third, I guess, I'm, I'm kind of not doing these in, in any particular order, but, um, well, third and fourth is bad boys and bad girls. You know, I wrote the books on these things, literally. Uh, my first book was Bad Boys, Why We Love Them, How to Live With Them, and When to Leave Them. And the second book was, uh, in this relationship set of books with bad girls, why men love them, and how good girls can learn their secrets. So now, are bad girls and bad boys any different than they were um, when I first wrote those books? Um, 
Not really. <laughs> Not really. Uh, the only thing that, but there are certain things that are different and, and mainly why there are more relationships with bad boys and bad girls and more heartbreak. And then last but not least, the, there is a sobering, uh, reminder this Valentine's Day that it is the first anniversary of Parkland, the Parkland shooting. And, you know, of course, you're going to be seeing, and you, uh, presumably you have already been seeing media about that and um, how the shooter chose Valentine's Day as the day that he, he was Nicholas Cruz, the day that he was going to come onto the campus and um, create a mass, the worst mass shooting in a school that there ever has been in the United States. So, you know, whatever is happening to you on Valentine's Day, uh, there is this, this, in all of our consciousness, uh, there is this sobering thought about how it wasn't all love and roses and chocolates in um, Parkland, Florida. So let's start with the Me Too movement. Now, it's funny. I know um, I have angered. <laughs> I've done a lot of television interviews or debates, where I should say, <laughs> where, um, where about the Me Too movement, where there would be on the one side a staunch Me Too advocate and on the other side me. Not that I, by any means, not that I think that it is okay for men to sexually harass or rape or disrespect women by any means. Um, that certainly is a problem. Uh, and yes, should women, is it good that women are, are speaking out and saying no more, this isn't going to happen anymore, we're not going to tolerate um, being treated so badly, being used and abused sexually, and all of that. But but a lot of the people who uh, a lot of the people who are for the Me Too movement or see the value in the Me Too movement really have taken it to too extreme a level where it gets to be not so much Me Too but um, I hate men. And that is, you know, it, it's, there is no reason to hate men. Uh, I mean, let's put it this way. There is going to be a whole, as the years pass, more and more women are going to be negatively affected by the Me Too movement, and it's the backlash that this has brought. Uh, and so there's going to be a questioning of not necessarily the, the ideas, the ideas are fine that we shouldn't be sexually harassed and so on, but um, the fact that it was so stridently presented and that it um, really has made a lot of men angry and, um, and there are those who are angry and that there, then there are those who are frightened by women by aggressive women. On one of my TV interviews, there was this woman, 
I don't remember her name, but there was this woman who was going on and on. She was, I thought she was going to have a, a stroke. <laughs> she was so angry that I was saying, um, well, but basically what I was saying and what I still say is that um, some of the cases, you know, that are, have been in the news in regard to the Me Too movement, that the case, especially, um, you know, when this started and, and then there are more and more men who have been felled by this. Uh, and again, not to say that if most, if not all of these men deserve to be called out for their actions, but what I was saying was that uh, in my capacity as a forensic psychiatrist and an expert witness, I have testified on both sides of sexual harassment cases. And um, that is, you know, typically it's the woman who's the alleged victim and the man who is the defendant although I've done other cases as well where, you know, it's men who are the alleged victim and so on. But let's just, you know, me too, let's just talk about the women who are the alleged victims. Um, so, I, so, yes, I have, I have testified in many, many cases where women, were the alleged, where women were the victims, not the alleged victims, they were the victims, and they had, um, their lives were torn apart by it. And my job in those cases were to quantify um, and to substantiate whether they had emotional distress due to the sexual harassment. And when it really was sexual harassment, yes, indeed, they had significant emotional distress. And, you know, this could take uh, the form of not wanting um, men to touch them. I mean, you know, men who they were in relationships with or had been in a relationship with, um, and or a depression, substance abuse, all kinds of anxiety, of course, PTSD. There can be all sorts of potential psychiatric problems from being actually sexually harassed. And of course, you know, sexually. Har- you know, part of the issue though is the sexual harassment. I mean, what is being called sexual harassment nowadays can range from anything such as you know a peck on the cheek at an office party. To um, to uh, well to rape, you know, and so there's no question about things like rape. But in any case, getting back to this to this uh, interview, so now what I was saying was I have also been on the side of men who were the alleged uh, perpetrators of sexual harassment, and have found in in many cases, or you know, in some cases um, that. These that really there are other reasons why women might be saying that they were um, sexually harassed by this man, such as typically what I would find would be these women were women who had been sexually abused as little girls by their father, by an uncle, by uh, a neighbor. Um, And so what they then do when they grow up is project it, project this, you know, consciously or unconsciously, mostly unconsciously, they project this memory, this trauma of having been sexually abused in their childhood by some man in their life onto a man who they are now alleging uh, sexually harassed them. Now, another typical scenario that I found was that um, some of these women had consensual relationships with these men and 
the men were married or not, but oftentimes the men were married, like if it was their supervisor at work or something like that. Um, and the women had consensual relationships with them, sexual relationships, and they had hoped or expected that these men would then leave their wives. And the women were going along quite happily in this relationship uh, until it came to the point where, like, they were expecting enough already. <laughs> they were expecting the man to have gotten separated or divorced by then. And if they then come to the point where they see that this man is not really going to get divorced, is not going to be with them. And even if the man isn't married, but like if they, there comes a point where the woman realizes that the man has, uh, is not going to marry them or not going to have a committed relationship of some sort with them uh, by the time frame that they expected it. And, and in other words, they realize that really the man wasn't in love with them. Um, then all of a sudden they have, in some of the cases that I have worked on, um, these women then cry sexual harassment. They want to punish the man. They want to get the man in trouble. They want to fire the man, uh, get the man fired, and so on. Now, in some of the cases that we have been seeing uh, in the media, there's an extra added bonus to allege sexual harassment, And that is um, that if the men are famous, which many of them have been, I mean, if we've been hearing about it in the media, they have been famous, the men. And um, so the woman gets an extra bonus by by, uh, exposing this man um, for whatever it was that happened in their relationship. Again, it could be that they did have a consensual relationship, or it could be... um, you know, that the man, uh, that they want their 15 minutes of fame. I mean, we've seen all kinds of combinations and permutations in some of the most famous cases that we've uh, seen and read about and heard about in the media. So now, I know some of you women out there are thinking, what? <laughs> Who is this person? Who, who, what, what did Dr. Carroll just say? Uh, I know, it is not... Most women would not say what I'm saying, but I am being honest about it, and I have been at the front lines of these cases. It has been up to me as a forensic psychiatrist to examine the women and the men to do a, like I see them for a whole day. Uh, First, I read all their records related to the case. Then I actually examine them for a whole day, talk to them for like 10 to 12 hours in my office, and I give them psychological tests. I mean, I really, sometimes I even see them longer than that if it's a more complicated case. And, um, and so I do an in-depth analysis. And I know what you're thinking. Um, I just say whatever the party line is of the attorney who has hired me. Well, obviously, I can't do that. Uh, and I don't do that because my reputation is more important than any one case. And if something can be proven at trial other than what I'm saying, then that would be very damaging to my reputation. So I have been there at the front lines. I know what I'm talking about. I know that what I'm saying right now is not very popular with women, especially those who are at the head of this Me Too movement. Um, But now what is the impact of this on Valentine's Day? And men in general, the impact, as I started to say, oh, oh, let me just, one other thing. Um, You know, part of the problem with 
with all of this Me Too movement coming out now, all of these men being, um, uh, you know, uh, targeted now, um, is that a lot of what is considered sexual harassment today, and of course this is a lot because of the Me Too movement, but was considered absolutely normal 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago. So when the men who are the defendants, the alleged perpetrators, um, are older, the things that they are often um, charged with doing, you know, that the women think is is, um, really horrible, were things that in their day were kind of more accepted. Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, they should never have been accepted. These, are, these things weren't good any time. But, you know, there was a time when men would call women deary or honey or hug them, you know, um, not, a sexual, not in a sexual way, um, but it was just kind of how those times were. And um, it really, things are going so much in the opposite direction that it is taking, you know, it's like throwing the baby out with the bathwater. It's taking away some of the niceties, some of the, um, uh, I'm not, now I'm not talking about sex, but some of the um, just warmth, friendliness um, that there used to be uh, away and making men angry towards women and fearful of women. And the result is that this, <laughs> the, the result is really that it is causing a lot of men to have ED and to not be able to perform with women because they are uh, afraid of the women having, having become so powerful. They are basically now afraid of women. So when we come back, I will get more into that, the sexual proclivities or effects of the Me Too movement. And the other things that I was talking about that changed how Valentine's Day is today in 2019. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, Hello? and ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com 
These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about Valentine's Day. Why is Valentine's Day um, this year, this, why is this Valentine's Day different from all other Valentine's Days? And um, before the break, I left you hanging, so to speak, <laughs> talking about uh, ED and men having castration anxiety because of women... You know, it's really unfortunate because it's a, it's, it's a relative few women who have hijacked the Me Too movement and who are so incredibly, um, oh, brusque, um, threatening, uh, just, um, just really very... You know, there's nothing, uh, no, no room for dialogue. It's all, of, it's really basically with every word that they say and every uh, body language, every movement of their body language uh, uh, screams, I hate men. So what do you think is going to happen when men are exposed to this, you know, in all the media, we've had all these different uh, cases, um, it has made men feel um, threatened by women. You know, women as it is, women have been taking over more jobs and so on. And yes, should there be equality and pay and all of that? I, absolutely. But, um, but a few women or, or a relative small number of women um, has, has hijack, have hijacked the Me Too movement and are the face of it a very angry face. You know, I was mentioning before about um, doing, doing interviews about this, and I was saying about this one woman who I thought was going to have a stroke because she was so angry. Finally, I just looked at her and paused, and I said, you are a very angry woman. And that kind of got her to be quiet for a couple of minutes. Um, so not only are men, so men are now, you know, not feeling, many men are not feeling in a particularly romantic mood for Valentine's Day because they don't want to make themselves vulnerable. They, you know, women kind of, uh, women sort of assume that guys are tougher than they really are. But um, with, with, it was hard enough to get guys to make themselves vulnerable. But now with all of this Me Too all over the place, um, guys are afraid of making themselves vulnerable. And where is someone most vulnerable? When they are having sex, when they are going to um, or expecting to or heading towards an orgasm, 
that is uh, surrendering and being the most vulnerable. So this is why men who now are, have, are, have been developing castration, desi- castration anxiety are having more ED because they're afraid um, to be in that vulnerable position. Um, another thing that men are doing because of being influenced by these louder and louder women, angry women, is, and, and you may have read about this or seen this, uh, there are getting to be more female robots. The female robot business is exploding. So why do men want to have sex with female robots? Because the female robot is, in most cases, is, is not going to likely get out of control, is not going to shame them, is not going to yell at them. Uh, unless, unless they want a dominatrix, but that's not what most of these robots are. They're just women who lie there and um, aren't going to take them into court or, um, or scream about them in the media, um, and they, they feel safer. I mean, look what, where our society is going with this. This is really, you know, right now it's not, it's, it's still uh, new, but um, this is increasing. There are more manufacturers of these female robots. There are more um, places uh, coming to be where you can go into these, like, stores or, or um, <laughs> sex dens or whatever they're, you know, they're calling themselves, uh, but where you could have the sexual encounter with the robots. I mean, not everybody's going to buy one for themselves. They're still relatively expensive. But so look, look at where the, the whole human race is at stake here. You cannot have babies with a robot, at least not yet. So, um, so this is why we can we can thank the Me Too movement. If your if your man isn't making himself uh, vulnerable or buying you roses and candy and doing all and reading you poetry um, and wanting to have sex with you. Um, or, or aren't able to have sex with you uh, because of their castration anxiety, you can thank the B2 movement. Now let me get to a different uh, topic that is affecting Valentine's Day this year. Politics. Politics have hijacked dating apps. There are dating apps that say such things as Trump supporters swipe left. And in fact, um, so many dating apps have been trying to weed out um, Trump supporters that uh, there have been dating apps that have been uh, created for Trump supporters, <laughs> like Donald Daters um, make Make America Date Again. That is a clever title for it. Um, they, uh, there's conservative, conservatives only, Trump singles, Patreo. But, um, but for most, in most dating apps, really what it is, is that people are putting their political affiliation more and more and deciding whether to swipe right or left based upon what political affiliation they see in the bio of the people who are, um, are on the app. Now, why is that not good? 
I mean, I guess theoretically, if your if politics are so important to you that you couldn't possibly date someone who has a different political affiliation, then okay, I guess that's a uh, a reason to include. Uh, your political affiliation and to make it clear that you only want to date people with the same political affiliation. But is that really the most important thing in life? It has only become um, oversized because of how uh, divided we are as a country and how the, you know, we always, I mean, we always had Republicans and Democrats, but it was never at such a fever pitch as it is now. And I think that there are things a lot more uh, important to a partner than what political party they belong to, such as uh, whether they are sincere or whether they are liars, whether they um, are cheaters, whether they, uh, you know, actually I'm going to later on, I'm going to talk to you about some of the bad boys and bad girls. So, I mean, those kinds of things, if they, are, if they have some of these characteristics of bad boys and bad girls, uh, which basically, um, they, they are heartbreakers. I will tell you about 12 types of bad boys and 12 types of bad girls, and the thing that they have in common is that they are heartbreakers. And, so there are, and, and part of that is not the political party that they belong to. I mean, you know, if you are, um, if you do... If you're involved volunteering for a political party and you spend a lot of your time trying to, um, you know, trying, like, for example, for 2020, um, try working now for a candidate, and that's super important to you to spend time doing that, and so you wouldn't want, you wouldn't want uh, a partner who is, is against your candidate, for example, but really, there are so many other things in life that uh, come up day to day than who you're going to vote for. Um, just things that, you know, other values and likes and how you spend your time and whether you want children or not, what religion you are. Um, there are deeper basic values than what political party you belong to. So um, I think this is a very, very unfortunate aspect, um, a new aspect to Valentine's Day 2019. I mean, it has never been at this fever pitch. Let me, um, let me just tell you uh, some other kinds of things. This is sort of a contrast. There was a, a, um, a poll asking people, what their most petty reason is for swiping left on dating apps. So I'll tell you some of these. These aren't related to politics, but, um, but these are other petty reasons. <laughs> um, for example, if someone shows a picture of them playing a sport, then, um, and this would be typically a guy playing a sport, then some women don't want to date them because they don't want to have to watch their games. Um, somebody else said they don't date anyone who shares the same names as their family member, a sibling or a parent. And, um, you know, presumably that's because they don't want to bring all their feelings that they have towards their sibling or parent, uh, good and bad, 
and and transfer them onto uh, the person with the same name, which would be sort of a an automatic thing that could happen. And then other people don't like people who are fans of certain television shows, like The Office. Um, they don't like freight phrases that people use, like I've studied at the University of Life. That is kind of obnoxious. They don't like people wearing camouflage outfits. I I would go along with that uh, because there is a violent propensity to people who wear camouflage outfits unless unless they are actually in the military. Um, some uh, Someone said they don't like guys who... And this is mostly women answering this poll. They don't like guys whose favorite books uh, are have to do with business or decluttering or a new diet because these things all sound so um, uh, tiring to have to go along with all of that. Then they don't like guys who say who complain about girls who wear a lot of makeup. Um, other things that sometimes make people swipe left is if the person talks about going to the gym as their hobby, or fishing, or cowboy, wearing cowboy, oh, if they have a picture of themselves in cowboy boots and hats. I, I think that's cool. <laughs> and then some people don't like Harry Potter train platform photos. Um, there's a phrase that some people use, I'm fluent in sarcasm. That doesn't go over big. Um, some people don't like it when other people put their height, um, I guess, you know, I, I guess if they're trying to brag about that, I'm not really sure why that's a problem. Some people don't like it when someone says that they their hobby is rock climbing. Um, people don't like it when your tongue is sticking out in a picture. That kind of makes sense. Um, they don't like it if you put a Snapchat handle because it just kind of makes you look too much like a player. And then um, some people don't like it. You can't win. Some people don't like it if your life sounds too exciting because they think that that's too tired. It makes them tired just reading about all that you do that makes you have an exciting life. Of course, I think that's kind of um, a little jealousy. Anyhow, uh, getting now getting to the um, to the bad boys and bad girls. Um, as I was saying, bad boys and bad girls have in common that they are each heartbreakers. And uh, what makes a bad boy is his relationship with his mother growing up. So if his mother was um, two, and as I said, I have 12 different types for each, 12 different types of bad boys, 12 different types of bad girls, and... Um, and each type comes about because of their relationship when they were children with the parents of the opposite sex. So, for example, um, a mother, so mothers affect boys and the little boys, and depending upon if they have a dysfunctional relationship, um, which makes the boy turn out, it makes the boy turn out a certain way. So, for example, if a mother is very critical or if a mother is absent, or if a mother is not very nurturing, or if um, uh, a mother is too close, um, too, you know, too sexually, uh, too seductive. Um, You know, one of the things that's a problem is when uh, parents get divorced 
and the father is no longer around, or, or these days it's not even from divorce, it's just when there's so many more fatherless homes, um, some mothers make their little boys act like the father in the house, you know, from doing chores to wanting them to hug them, and it can be uh, very sexually stimulating and inappropriate for the little boys. So all of these, you know, these are examples of the different kinds of dysfunctional relationships that mothers can have with their little boys as the little boy is growing up. And so what happens is um, the little boy uh, grows up and has has certain behavior that is a function of that, which I will describe when we come back. And, um, And... they attract women who have had dysfunctional relationships with their fathers when they were little girls. And according to the, or depending upon the dysfunctional relationship that the little girl had with her father growing up, that sends her unconsciously in the direction of a certain type of bad boy. Um, Again, this is unconscious, but it is so... It is so true. I can tell if a, if a woman tells me about the latest relationship that she had, I can tell her about what kind of relationship she had with her father or vice versa. If she tells me about the kind of relationship she had with her father, I can tell her about the kinds of bad boys she's attracted to. And it's just unconscious and it is um, a kind of fulfillment. It's... it's um, where the, where the little girl or the, now the big girl is trying to make up, trying to have the fairy tale end more happily than it did with her father, trying to make the relationship with the man uh, be more fulfilling, to make up for the relationship she had with her father. So when we come back, I'll give you some examples of those, and I'll also give you some examples of uh, bad girls, and it's the same kind of thing with attracting, you know, being becoming a bad girl and attracting bad boys and so on. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. We're talking about Valentine's Day. Why is this Valentine's Day different from all other Valentine's Days? the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, Hello? and ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com 
Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. Don't write yourself and welcome back to Dr. Carol Couch and your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about Valentine's Day 2019, why it's different from all other Valentine's Days. And I'd love to be able to tell you that it's better, <laughs> but as you can tell already, uh, there are many things that are that are entering into our celebration of Valentine's Day that is... Uh, that are making it more difficult to find love. I mean, that's the bottom line. And why is it, uh, before I get into, you know, going before I go back to the bad boys and bad girls, the thing that's important to understand is it's not that um, the, there are the same types of bad boys and bad girls today as there were when I wrote these books. They're kind of like perennial books, classics. <laughs> And um, and so they, that hasn't changed. The psychodynamics, the psychology behind what makes um, people this way certainly hasn't changed. But what has changed and why it's worse is because there are more, I mean, it all comes down to how you grew up, what, what your parents' relationship was like and what your parents, what your relationship was like with the parents of the opposite sex. And because parents are having so much more trouble, there are more divorces, there are more, as I was saying, fatherless homes, not even marriages, uh, that is not the way (laughs) it is supposed to be in a perfect world. And um, so it is distorting the relationships that parents have with their little boys and little girls. And that is making it much harder when um, the little boys and little girls grow up and start to date, start to look for love, because they have these various distortions um, that turn them into bad boys or bad girls or turn them into being attracted to bad boys and bad girls. And... um, so it's just that the the numbers have gotten worse. It is, has got, and well, of course, another, you know, I, I kind of mentioned it in passing, but another aspect to this that uh, has made it more difficult is that um, with the apps, dating apps, where you can just as easily slide left or right, you make a decision in a split second, right? Um, that also has made everybody seem expendable. If you go on a date with somebody from that you met on an app, um, if it you know if you don't like your you eat for coffee, um, you don't you know you don't like what they look like. They don't look like that picture. You don't give them a chance. You don't get to know them. Um, 
you, you make an excuse or, you, or you know, I mean, you've heard the horror stories. People um, don't even come into the restaurant uh, and they just, like, look at the person and then they go away. Or they, they start to have a, a, a meal, you know, and um, the person says something. Let's say it comes out what political party they belong to and that wasn't on their bio and all of a sudden the person just leaves because, because they figure, well, you know, in the car going home, um, they can check out uh, another app or, or the same app and swipe, you know, on to the next person who they want to date. Like, it's, it's people are just expendable, or so it seems. In the meantime, while this is all happening, our hearts are still vulnerable. In order to stay um, someone who can really love deeply, you have to let your heart be vulnerable to get close enough to someone, intimate with someone. I don't just mean sexually intimate. I mean to really, to really get to know that person on a deep level. Um, it's, not, it's not a matter of, of swiping left or right. And because of, of how our, our lives are, everybody's busy, 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 and everybody's cocooning in their home, looking at their, uh, looking at their computer or their phone or, you know, um, it's like you don't even look up. I mean, you know, people sit in restaurants even when they're with their friends and their, their, their face is in their phone. And so you're not even looking up to see what possibilities exist in the real world and make a real world connection, not just on an app. Anyhow, getting back to bad boys. <laughs> so like to give you the, the sort of the classic example, I mean, I, I talk about, um, I, I have a thing, can't talk about all 12 um, of them uh, today, but <clears throat> there are things like people like, or types of bad boys like the frazzled frog, the compulsive flirt, Mr. Power Mad, the prince of darkness, the lethal lover, the grandiose dreamer, the man of mystery, misunderstood and married, and so on. So like to give you a, a very clear example, the frazzled frog, or also called the fixer-upper lover. Women, this is a guy who doesn't have his act together. Um, he doesn't have a very good job. He's still like trying to find himself. And um, he lives kind of in a sloppy sort of way. He, he's, you know, his, he keeps his house sloppy and um, he's, he's like a little tadpole. He hasn't grown up. And he, uh, guys become that way when they have had mothers who didn't nurture them. So they're still looking, they're these little tadpoles, little frogs, <laughs> looking for nurturance. And a woman comes along who is going to be motherly. These are women who, when they were little girls, this, this is the most typical kind of um, scenario when parents get divorced and fathers uh, abandon the family. So the father does not see the little girl very often, and, um, or sometimes when the father has died, or sometimes when their father hasn't been around altogether. Um, so these are girls who are looking for the least likely kind of man to, to break their heart or to run away. And so when they find a guy who needs fixing up, they, again, mostly unconsciously say to themselves, ah, well, if I fix him up, if I help him get his act together, then he won't leave me. He'll, this is one, he's not going to leave me like my father did. 
Well, of course, what happens is the girl helps the guy to get his act together, uh, gets him, you know, <laughs> gets his act together, and then he decides, well, hey, now I can find a girl who um, is going to like me, you know, with my act together. I don't have to settle for someone who was ready to accept me without my act together when I was a little tadpole. Okay, let's go to the bad girls. Some of the bad girls, uh, and again, this bad, these become, well, the girls become bad girls, or the women have become bad girls. They start out, of course, with a dysfunctional relationship with their father, which attracts them to bad boys. After they have been hurt enough, their hearts broken enough by either one big bad boy, <laughs> one very bad boy, or a number of bad boys, they lock up their heart and they decide that they are never going to be able to find love, never going to be able to find a prince. And so they are going to find men who they can use for various reasons because they know they give up on ever really walking into the sunset with a man who absolutely loves them. So the kinds of, some examples of bad girls are the gold digger. That's kind of the easiest example to, um, to think about. Uh, the addict, the commitment phobe, the married woman on the prowl, the ultimate damsel in distress, the bad girl scorned, and so on. Now, the gold digger, again, this is kind of a basic example. I mean, we know, we know what they want. And um, they want gold. They want uh, a lifestyle that they couldn't afford for themselves. Um, we see lots of these. <laughs> Los Angeles is filled with gold diggers. I think we're the gold digger capital of the world, actually, uh, although there are other cities, too, <laughs> where that's prominent. But um, so why? So these are women who... Um, have felt deprived by their fathers. Um, not, not so much, I mean, yes, some of them it is um, actually financially that, you know, they weren't given very much by their fathers, but it's really more metaphorically that they weren't given much love. And so the women, uh, having given up on finding a man who will love them for themselves, um, they use, they figure if they find a man with gold, a man who will give them a lot of things, jewelry, money, credit cards, cars, um, take them nice places, and so on, that they accept that as love. They, you know, it's a poor substitute, but they figure, hey, I'm not going to be, you know, obviously no man, I've had my heart broken so many times, no man is going to love me for me. So I will um, just find a rich man, and when he gives me things, I will feel loved. Now, the problem is that really it isn't as fulfilling as real love. And the problem for the men, um, the reasons why men pick these women are usually it's typically for arm candy. Um, these are women who will make them look good to their male friends. And they convince themselves um, that the woman, you know, maybe she's a lot younger than they are or she is a lot more attractive than they ever thought they could get, that kind of thing. So they convince themselves that this woman loves them for them, even though they may have maybe bald, may have a pot belly, may um, have a bad temper, may have all kinds of other problems but um, they can have her as arm candy. So they get 
hoodwinked. And I talk in my book about um, men who are um, sitting ducks for these women. And it's basically men who have low self-esteem. And I talk about their childhoods also that set them up to be attracted to each of these different types of women. Now, last but not least um, is Parkland. I just want to mention that because it is a sobering reminder. Whatever happens to you this Valentine's Day, if you don't have a Valentine who loves you deeply or takes you to a fancy restaurant or, um, or writes, you know, a love card or whatever, just remember that is not the worst thing in the world. Um, there are people in Parkland who are suffering a lot more. So the moral of the story for today is, that if you don't have a man or a woman who is madly in love with you and wants to be your valentine, you can do other things with the day, like spreading love to other people, um, finding someone on your block or someone you know, a friend who doesn't have a valentine either, or an elderly neighbor um, bringing them a, a box of chocolates. Finding, think of something that you can do for someone who is not having a very happy day and is having more things wrong in their life than just not having a Valentine who expresses their undying love. Not to say that that is not important because Freud said the most important things in life uh, to be fulfilled is work and love. You need to have a fulfilling work kind of work that you do, and any, it could be any kind of job, but one that fulfills you, and you need to have a loving relationship. So if you don't, then you need to ask yourself some tough questions this Valentine's Day. Are you going for bad girls and bad boys and having your heart broken? Are you addicted to heartbreak? You need to ask yourself about that. You may need to get into therapy to make sure that by next Valentine's Day, you aren't going after the same types of Valentines and you are looking for things that are more important than what political party the person belongs to and what color hair they have, how tall they are, and all of these other things that in the end are really meaningless compared to the heart, the literal heart of the person. Thank you for listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Happy Valentine's Day. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. 